All right. Good morning to each one. Thank you, Craig, for that challenge this morning as we think about evangelism. You know, um, my message, I guess, is somewhat along that line, but not, maybe not really. Um, As I thought about that song, the last song we sang, Jesus keep me near the cross. And the one course, or the one verse that says, free to all a healing stream. It doesn't cost anything. And it's free. Um, and my, my message this morning is taken from Luke chapter 23. A couple verses there. <clears throat> verse 32 to 47. And I'm just going to jump right in here in the beginning and read verse 47, the end of the text. It says, Now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. Certainly, this was a righteous man. Now, my question this morning is, what convinced the centurion? What brought him to that point? You know, as I think about the account in Acts of the conversion of the jailer, when Paul and Silas were in prison, And the prison walls were shaken and the doors flew open and and the prisoners were, uh, you might say, set free. And the jailer, or the, the guard there, was going to take his own life. And um, Paul says, no, don't, you know, don't do that, don't do that. And uh, he, he, then the jailer said, you know, what must I do to be saved? What, what was it that he's seen? What was it that brought him to that point? This is a question I'm going to be probably saying over and over. You know, the words of Jesus when he told Peter several times, you know, get thee behind me. Um, and he actually told Peter, you know, before the cock crows, thou shalt deny me thrice. And that actually took place. It happened. When Peter was there and, uh, you know, they confronted him, they said, Thou art, you know, thou art the man, you, you were with them. You, your, your speech bereath thee. You know, you, we, we can tell by the way you talk, you were, you're one of them. Peter denied it, denied it. Three times and the third time he heard the rooster crowing. And the Bible says that he went out and he wept bitterly. Now, what was it? What was it that struck Peter and caused him to do that? There was a man by the name of Robert Gibson who was only 16 years old. And he was caught for armed robbery and murder. And he was given a 99-year sentence, basically life in prison. 16 years old. Week after week, month after month, 
He was in this prison. Horrible place. But every week when the chaplain would come in, he befriended this chaplain and he got to, to, to know him and he, and he, 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 he liked him. And uh, every day or every time that the chaplain would be there, uh, when he would leave, um, you know, he would give an invitation. Robert Gibson would never respond. But the chaplain would always say, Robert, I love you. God loves you. God has a plan for you. He would tell him that. For almost 40 years. For almost 40 years. One evening, he was invited to attend a service. And at that service, the altar call was given. Robert Gibson made his way forward and accepted Jesus Christ. What was it that convinced him? What was it that moved him to that point? Of that 99 years sentence, he only served, I think, 36 years. He was, he was set free. Today, he's ministering the gospel, the word, preaching the word. Powerful message. King Saul's another account in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 9. Bible says there that God gave him another heart. Why? What did he see? There was something about him that changed it. We have the account in Luke chapter 19, verse 9. Actually, in the first couple verses there, the account of Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector and took money from the people. Unjust. Not right. He wasn't, you know, one day Jesus came through here. And what did little Zacchaeus do? He climbed up into a sycamore tree because he wanted to see this man. What made him, what, what, what made him want to do that? After what he had been doing and the things that he was caught, he's causing chaos, you might say, or causing problems because of the money that he was taking. He heard about Jesus coming through and he wanted to see this man. And so he climbed up a sycamore tree and when Jesus passed by, he said, Zacchaeus, you come down from there because I'm gonna, I'm, I want to go to your house. What happened? Zacchaeus said that he will restore them fourfold. He'll make it right. He repented. What convinced him? What changed his heart? We have the account of Saul of Tarsus in Acts chapter 9. When he was killing the Christians, he was herding them in like cattle. He was a terrible man, awful individual. In Acts chapter 9 verse 6, God struck him down. What happened there? He said, what wilt thou have me to do? What was it that caused him to do that? And here 
In Luke chapter 23, I'm just going to read those verses. Verse 32, and says, There were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding. And the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Actually, it was a mockery. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself in us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. And the verse that I already read, verse 47 says, Now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. What convinced this centurion? Now as we think of that awful, bleak, wretched scene that it must have been that day outside of Jerusalem when Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ, died to save our souls. It was a day when all hell was unleashed against the Lord Himself. Against the Lord Jesus. It was a day when those who should have been His friends saw to it that He was put to death. It was a day when most of his own disciples left him to die in agony on that cross. Where was they at? I don't know. It was a day of horror. It was a day that will live in infamy of all eternity. Yet it is one of the greatest days that dawned since time began. For on that day, our Savior died for our sins. Jesus Christ died as a Lamb of God so that you and I might go free. He died to save sinners. He died for those individuals in the 1040 uh, graph map that Craig passed out this morning. For those individuals, Hinduism and and, um, Buddhism and Islam and, and, and all those. Christ died for those individuals. He was surely surrounded by them that day. In that crowd that surrounded his cross that day were sinners. There were criminals. There were soldiers. There were religious people. There were hateful people. There were people there that probably didn't even know why they were there for. Family. There were friends. And in that crowd were two special men. One was a criminal who had come to Calvary to be put to death. 
The other was a Roman centurion who had come to Calvary that day to put men to death. Before that day was over, both of these men would be new creatures, saved by the grace and the sacrifice of the one dying on that middle cross. I know why the thief was compelled to believe, but have you ever thought about what it was that convinced the centurion? Something he saw or heard that day was used of the Spirit of God to touch his heart and to bring him into a saving relationship with God. I believe this morning as I share this, and there's other thoughts that I want to share with you this morning, I believe it's, it comes back to us as individuals. What is it in our lives? Do we give off a fragrance? Do we give off a scent? Do we give off an example? A testimony? Do we give off something that convinces that individual out there that they too want to be saved and live for the Lord Jesus Christ? This centurion, he was a man of of, of power. You know, he could do what he wanted. But there was something he saw and heard that day was used in the Spirit of God to touch his heart and to bring him into a saving relationship with God. One of the Gospels says, truly, he said, truly, this was the Son of God. Here in Luke, it says, certainly, this was the Son of, this was a righteous man. But right before that, Scripture tells us here, before he made that statement, Scripture says he glorified God. What he did, how he did it, what his actions were, I don't know, but it says he glorified God. That's what matters. And then he said, certainly this was a righteous man. He acknowledged it. What convinced him of that? Was it his composure? The Bible tells us that Jesus went to the cross to suffer and die as a Lamb of God. In John chapter 1 verse 29 it says, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and say, says, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Revelation 13 verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Who? Jesus Christ. Whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. <clears throat> and then 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a Lamb without blemish and without spot. Yes, it also relates that he went to the cross as meek as a lamb goes to be slaughtered. Isaiah 53 verse 7 says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. What he could have done that day, he didn't. He died so that we might live. He was a son of God. He had all power. He could have came down from the cross. He could have slew every one of those soldiers. 
Every centurion, every, every sinner, every criminal, every, every religious person, every family member, he could have done whatever he wanted to do, but he didn't. His mission was to save your soul and mine. That's why he died. This centurion had seen countless men die by crucifixion. Dozens and dozens, maybe hundreds. <coughs> Most of them were probably like the two thieves who were crucified with Jesus that day. <coughs> Most died cursing and screaming in agony. He had never seen anyone die like Jesus did. There was something different about that man. He laid himself, the Bible says he laid himself down on the cross. And he allowed those Roman soldiers to drive those nails through his hands and his feet. That's the Son of God. That's Jesus. It's called love. That's what he did for us, for me and you. Was it that, that the centurion seen? His example? I don't know. But what convinced the centurion, I believe, was what Jesus done for him that day. Was it his cross? <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe they made his cross a little different. I don't think so. I think it's just a normal cross. In, in that day, there were, there were hundreds of crosses that lined the roadside and the fields and, and the hillsides. There were crosses everywhere with skeletons hanging on them that men had been crucified. You know, he had seen countless others die this death. The brutality of the cross. <clears throat> However, the Bible would lead us to believe that Jesus may have suffered more than others. I believe he did. Because of the beating, the scourging, the whipping, the mocking, the spitting, the hitting. I don't know. I believe it was terrible things that, that, our, that our Lord suffered there. In fact, Isaiah 52 verse 14 says there in N15... As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. They didn't even recognize him. He was beaten so badly. All they had put Jesus through before the cross. Several trials. Even the whole band of soldiers. You know, some four to six hundred uh, Played their games with him. <clears throat> Mark chapter 15, verses 16 through 19. There's some verses there I'd like to touch on. 16 through 19, it says, And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole band. And they clothed him with purple and plated a crown of thorns and put it about his head and began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him on the head with a reed and did spit upon him and bowing their knees, worshipped him. <clears throat> Perhaps this man, this centurion, had never seen another in such sad shape when he was crucified. <clears throat> I don't believe either. I believe the others, they just took out and they crucified him. But Jesus, they put through awful, awful trial and time. 
Maybe it was the sign over his head, over the, that hung over his cross. <clears throat> In verse 38 of, of uh, 23 here, it says, it was uh, in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. So that they all could understand. They wanted to make sure that people knew who this individual was. <clears throat> they put special emphasis, you know, emphasis on, on this particular man. Jesus. This is the King of the Jews. <clears throat> It may have been the cross that moved him. We don't know. However, let me ask you this morning, does his cross still move you? Often we get moved by wrong things, don't we? His death for us on the cross should move us to love him and to worship him. Was it his compassion? Verses 34, um, 39 to 43 there. Was it his compassion? While Jesus was dying on the cross, he exhibited his grace and love by showing compassion for the needs of others. Here he is hanging on the cross. He showed compassion to the crowds during his hours on the cross. He reached out to those around him in the crowd. The crowds around the cross mocked him. They ridiculed him. And tormented him even as he died. Yet he did not condemn them. He did not rebuke them. When he opened his mouth, it was to pray for them. Verse 34 says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He even took time to, uh, in his dying hour to provide the need for the needs of his mother. In John chapter 19, verse 26 and 27. <clears throat> he says, John, behold your mother. <clears throat> Take care of her. Can you imagine? I can't, I can't comprehend that. Here he is in agony, bleeding, dying, nailed to the cross. And he looks at John and he says, behold your mother. What compassion is that? That is that is compassion beyond anything that we could ever imagine. And he showed compassion to the, to the criminal. Verse four, uh, 39 to 43 there. When this man who just moments before had joined the other thief in mocking Jesus, asked for help concerning his spiritual condition. What did Jesus do? He reached out to him in grace, love and compassion. What was the promise? That he gave him. What was the promise that he gave him? What did he say? Verse 43 says. Verily I say unto thee. Today. Shalt thou be with me in paradise. What beautiful words. To a man. Who was mocking him. And making fun of him. And siding with the evil ones. <clears throat> but yet. He wanted to know. He showed compassion to the criminal. Was this what caused the centurion to pause and proclaim his faith in the Lord Jesus? Was it the compassion he displayed? His compassion for sinners was one of the things that drew, uh, drew him, I believe. 
Matthew 11 verse 28 says, Come unto me, all ye that are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Romans 10 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be, what? Saved. Revelation 22 17, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. He opens the door to all who will. Was it his composure, his compassion? Was it the cross? <clears throat> or was it his cries? Verse 43, 46. <clears throat> the gospel writers record for us that on seven occasions, Jesus opened his mouth and spoke while he was on the cross. How difficult this would have been for any man, for any individual, to even think about saying anything for what he was enduring, for what he was going through. Thus revealing the importance of these utterances. Three of them are recorded here by Luke. And we want to look at them as we, look, as we go through these seven um, cries of our Lord Jesus Christ. The first one is the cry of love in verse 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Wow. Then we have the cry of forgiveness in verse 43. Where he looked at the, uh, the, uh, the uh, criminal that was hanging beside him. The verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. The cry of forgiveness. We have the cry of fulfillment. In Matthew 27, verse 46. That was the verse where he said, Eli, Eli, lama samatani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? <clears throat> Through that horrible time, that awful moment, as he hung there, why hast thou forsaken me? I believe it was to the point where God couldn't bear to see what his only son, his only begotten son, was going through. We have a couple verses in John chapter 19. I'd like to turn to them as we look at the cry of provision. We've already touched on this a little bit as we mentioned that how he, took, uh, he looked at, his, at John and said, Behold thy son. Verse 26 says, When Jesus saw that, therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by, whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. And he saith to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. <clears throat> cry of provision. The cry of agony. In verse 28. After this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled. You know, only him, only Jesus would know that he was almost at the end. Saith, I thirst. The cry of victory in verse 30. 
When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar. What did he say? It is finished. And he bowed his head. And gave up the ghost. The cry of departure. In verse 46 of chapter 23 in Luke. When Jesus had cried with a loud voice. He said. Father into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus. He gave up the ghost. As I think about this, and as I look at all these these verses, and when I think about the question, what convinced the centurion, I believe there are many, many things that worked in the heart of this man. These statements from the Lord Jesus moved the heart of this soldier. As he heard the words of the dying Christ, his heart was stirred. And he realized that this was more than a man dying here. Perhaps that is why he proclaimed the fact that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. In Matthew, he says, When the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done. Can you imagine how that all was? I I can't comprehend it. I can't grasp it. But when this was all taking place, the Bible says they feared greatly. And this centurion says, truly, this was the Son of God. In Mark, he says, when the centurion which stood over against him saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, truly, this was the Son of God. Truly, this man was the Son of God. I don't know if the words of the Lord were what touched this man's heart, but they do uh, sure do strike a chord with me. I bless His name that even He was dying for the sins of the world. So the question this morning is, are we convinced? What convinced you? What happened in your life? As you reminisce and think back in your life. What caused you? What, what was it that, 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 that made your heart say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ? I think it does us all well to, to think about that. And to uh, sometimes go back to that point and say, that, that's what I did. I said yes to Jesus Christ. I'm convinced that He is the Son of God. He was a righteous man. He bore the sins, my sins. He took them. I don't have to. I don't have to do that. <clears throat> Has there been a moment in your life when you was confronted with and convinced of the truth of who Jesus Christ is? This centurion was saved because he trusted. Have you trusted in Jesus? Think back, like I said, to what it was that got your attention. You know, as I think back in my life, there were things that that I was, in my early years, things I was doing, involved in, I knew were not right. And 
there was a message that Nelson Koblenz had preached that got my attention that I needed to be saved. I needed to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what convinced me. That's what moved me and made me say yes. It wasn't, you know, how can I say, some wild, loud explosion, but it was stirring and it moved my heart. And I believe this morning, as we think about this centurion, it probably wasn't a loud, booming conversion. But as he seen the compassion and the cries, the cross, and all these things, it moved him. The Bible says he glorified God. He glorified God. And then he said, truly, this was the Son of God. And so this morning, I don't know, like I said, it really wasn't um, an evangelistic message or uh, that of evangelism, but I believe that we could take evangelism from this because Jesus is part of that. And he has shown us the way. If we only accept him and trust him, and allow Him to, to uh, lead and to guide us in His way. So, as we go from here this morning, you may have lots of questions, lots of thoughts. There's probably a lot of things went through your mind. Um, and that's okay. But think about what got your attention. And may we reignite that and let's thank him for that blessed moment father this morning we thank you for this opportunity we thank you for this scripture in luke chapter 23 of the centurion we thank you for the words of jesus and how that he um spoke so so clear and so true to the man on the cross and even through and by his example his compassion his cries drew the centurion unto himself so our father i pray just be with us as we continue through the remainder of this service may you guide and direct lord and may your spirit Speak to our hearts, even through the Sunday school hour. Bless our time together. Be with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.